Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and we are here 17 floors above Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. Now, the Democrats, the dark, winter, dreary Democrats are feeling very dismal today. Why? Well, because there's a lot of stuff. I took a couple of notes here. So we've got... Amy Coney Barrett, Judge Barrett, has been confirmed as Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Then Trump, he's tweeting about New York City this morning. He's saying, hey, what the hell do you have to do? Uh, You know, what else can what do you have to lose? Madison Square Garden yesterday was mobbed with voters. And that was interesting. So I'm going to go into that one, right, because I'm scrolling through Twitter this morning and I see that President Trump is, you know, a series of tweets about New York endorsing Assemblywoman Nicole Maliotakis for Congress, shouting out Staten Island and Brooklyn, saying that they're beautiful. And then New York. What the hell? What do you have to lose is what he says. And this worked really well with the African-American community when Trump said, African-Americans, you've been voting Democrat for all these years. What's it gotten you? And we've seen a lot of back and forth. 50 Cent came out and said, hey, Trump, what's good? I'm with you. No, no, no. Now, it wasn't a, it was more like a tacit endorsement. I agree. He wasn't 100 percent in the tank with the president. He was saying 62 percent with Biden. I can't mess with taxes like that. I'm with Trump. Then his ex-girlfriend, Chelsea Handler, calls him out and says, hey, you forget you're black. And right away he says, all right, all right. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. And he pulls back his endorsement. And who steps up? A trap rapper. From Miami, Little Pump, Little Pump steps up and says, you know, F, I wish I could find that transcript. But basically he says, F all of y'all, I'm with Trump 2020, B words, because he didn't want to pay those taxes either. He said, it's all about me. It's all about my bag, his bag of cash that he's working on getting. So it's great to see these people come out. Ultimately, my response to all that is I think I don't think either of these guys is waking up early that day to just get out and vote. I don't think so. I think they're both just grabbing a little bit of the limelight, doing what they think is, you know, appropriate for social media. But at the end of the day, they're going to be like, ah, go and vote, wait online for seven hours. Now, where does the seven hours thing come from? Well, yesterday I was with my good friend, as courtesy would say, my goombody cheech, Rich Samantha, Mr. Producer from the Mark Levin Show, which you can hear here on Talk Radio 107.1 every Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And Mr. Producer looks at me and says, dude. My friend just texted me and he said, wait online for seven hours, seven hours to vote. And I told him, what are you, stupid? Why would you wait seven hours to vote? Just go on like three or four days. You got until the second, the third. So that was Mr. Producer's take that, listen, you don't got to do it all right now. Stop being desperate. Give it a couple of days. You'll be in and out. I told him, what if that's not true? What if it gets heavier and heavier, the voting volume? 
But all I can talk about is what I saw. So after I finished my broadcast here with every day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m., Talk Radio 107.1, I trek over to Madison Square Garden to the old WABC where we still broadcast the Mark Levin Show. And when I got there, there were hundreds of people on the sidewalk, dozens of cops everywhere. And I thought, what the heck is going on here? So I look and I see that the people were being corralled into socially distant lines, very long lines, because Madison Square Garden is a polling location for Midtown. That was interesting. I'll tell you what I didn't see. And I didn't expect to see. I didn't see any MAGA hats. I didn't see, uh, you know, any uh, Make America Great Again t-shirts. But I didn't expect to. And guess what? If you look at me, I'm a Trumper. I, I don't really wear a Make America Great Again hat. I've got one. Uh, it was a gift and I really like it. But I uh, I don't use it. I'm not a hat guy and, and not that kind of hat in particular. And what I mean by that is like uh, the trucker hat, the snapback. It's not – I'll wear it occasionally, but just not my thing. All that being said – I wonder how many of these people are there voting against Bill de Blasio in a referendum saying, you know, I'm voting for Trump as an F you to you, Bill. And how many of them are there saying, look, we need more. No justice, no peace. I am voting for BLM. I'm voting for Antifa. I'm voting for all of that craziness. It's a head scratcher. It makes you go, hmm. I'm, I'm thinking in New York, there's probably more of uh, the Antifa type <laughs> than the others. But – we still have a huge victory in America, and I think President Trump can partake in some of this victory as Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed, and she was also sworn in. Now, I want to talk about that at length a little bit, so I'm not going to jump right into that. What I am going to jump into is this stuff going on in Philly, because Philly's under fire, and I was reading this article this morning in the New York Post, and it was eye-opening. What happens here is what appears to be an emotionally disturbed person is off their meds, having a psychotic episode, or just an angry person. I don't have all the facts. I'll give them to you as I get them. But I believe he's there with his family. It appears to be his mother is with him. He's arguing with his mother. He has a knife in his hand, and then he starts charging towards multiple police officers that have knives and uh, that have guns, obviously, while he has the knife in his hand. and. It doesn't go well. I want you to listen to this. Oh! Oh! The officers are telling him to drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife, but he doesn't let it go. Bro, they just killed him in front of me. Yo! Yo! Y'all ain't had to give him that many shots! That was intense. If you get a chance to see the video, it is. The whole video is there unedited for you to see on WABCRadio.com, our website, WABCRadio.com. It's a pretty heavy video. I am a big supporter of the police. My brothers served in the NYPD, three gen two generations of my family. My nephew is still on the job. I've done some volunteer work in Jersey. It's never easy to watch stuff like that. It really isn't. But you watch it and, you know, you get mixed emotion. You, you get the feeling that, man, this poor guy is uh, nuts. Clearly, maybe he's on drugs. I, I really don't know. He didn't look well, that's for sure. And he didn't look like he was trying to kill everybody either. 
But he did look like he didn't know what the heck was going on, and he would have killed somebody, could have killed somebody, and might have killed somebody if he wasn't stopped. Now, I'm not saying he had to be stopped with uh, that level of deadly force. I'm also not saying that the cops weren't allowed to use that level of deadly force because, to me, it was clear that they could. When you're a cop, from my understanding, when somebody's coming at you with a deadly weapon or even reaching for that deadly weapon, you can respond with deadly force. It's legal. And it's honestly how most cops are trained. This is the issue that some on the police reform, defund the police movement, this is the issue they have where instead of saying, hey, you know, we'd like to come with new new ways of doing things, they go off the deep end and just say, hey, let's defund the police. And that's what the far left is doing today. Real life is in Hollywood. So it's difficult to... Difficult and unfair, I would say, for Joe Biden to come say, oh, he should have shot him in the leg. I've never met a cop in my life who's been trained to shoot someone in the leg. A police officer's gun is not a deterrent. They don't pull it out to scare you. They don't pull it out for anything other than to use deadly force. That's what the whole point of having a gun is. For people to suggest otherwise would be a huge conversation that I honestly don't think anybody's going to want to have. Because that's the whole point. People know that the cops are allowed to use deadly force. So when they tell you to put the knife down, put the gun down, don't reach, put your hands up, it's not a perfect world. Things are sloppy sometimes. I get that. It's real life. But I don't think they're going to find any success in changing these policies. And as they do change some of these policies, like in New York, where you can no longer use your knee in someone's shoulder and their back to subdue them, take a look at some of the arrests that are happening now where it takes five and six cops because all they can do is grab your wrist or your ankle and they're getting kicked in the face. One bad guy, six cops, six cops are getting their butts kicked just to lock up one guy because they can't leverage their body weight to hold somebody down. You got to be pro cop, in my opinion, because if you're pro bad guy, we're not going to get too far. Keep it locked right there. We're going to talk about Judge Barrett and a little bit more on this Philly stuff. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. got seven days left until election day seven days next tuesday is e-day now i've been a political junkie for a long time this is what i do so it's kind of like um there are people that you know bite their nails all the time and wear philadelphia eagle sweaters they're football people right the philly people the football people they live for the super bowl let's say then there's me i live for election day Election Day is my Super Bowl. Every four years, this is it. It's like our World Cup. Whatever whatever happens every four years, this is the one. I love this stuff. And yeah, you start to feel like a Met fan. You start to feel like a Jets fan when you have eight years of Obama. Because it's like, man, my team keeps losing. But we started to pick up majorities in the, uh, in the Senate, in the House of Representatives, then back. And then we lost that. And, you know, then we got the White House in 2016. And now we have the Senate. I think we're going to hold the Senate because that's just what my gut tells me. And if you ever met me, I have a serious gut, serious gut. So my gut doesn't lie. ACB, Federal Judge Amy Coney Barrett, she's been confirmed and sworn in. Now, Barrett, Associate Justice Barrett, she took the oath of office on a Bible with administered by, excuse me, administered by Justice Clarence Thomas, who, in my opinion, along with Alito and the great Scalia, the late great Scalia, uh, are some of the most solid 
justices that we have on the bench. Not to say that the others haven't had moments of you know, honorable mention, but by and large, I think these guys are the heavy hitters, and, and Barrett seems to be uh, at least informed. I'm not going to say cut from the same cloth as Scalia, but you know, we know she clerked for Scalia, so she's had that that uh, opportunity to be mentored and learned from. And that stuff really makes a difference. I mean, sometimes I talk to people and they've told me, yeah, you're like a Puerto Rican Mark Levin. And I'm like, you know, well, I'll take it as a compliment because uh, they don't call him the great one for nothing. I enjoy being able to learn from the great one. I, I do think I bring my own distinct uh, opinions and flair and style and sofrito, if you will. But there's nothing wrong with being under the tutelage of someone that knows more than you, that can inform and guide your uh, your thinking and open your your thoughts to different and new or higher level concepts. And I think Judge Barrett has had that opportunity with Justice Scalia. And it's my hope that combined with her legal career as a professor and her time on the bench as a federal judge, I think she's going to be a real force to be reckoned with and will really, really support, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. But that's me saying it. I want you to hear her saying it. Check this out. I, Amy Coney Barrett, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God is right. So Judge Barrett, who is now, um, she's ready to rock and roll. I think the only thing that's left for her to do is to now be sworn into the court. Not, uh, maybe, maybe I'm reading that wrong. She'll be taking her judicial oath today. And that, I think, is as soon as that's done, she can actually like start, you know, reading briefs, getting into cases and, and actually start working. So this is exciting. Um, Fox News is reporting that, you know, after their um, swearing in, the ceremonial swearing in that happened yesterday, that some of the members of the Senate were very honored. And then there were others outside of the Senate, some on the left, commentators and media that were kind of angry. So I'm looking at a piece uh, that I got from Bongino Report. Shout out to Dan Bongino and the Bongino Report. In Red State. And this piece in Red State, very interesting. Headline, Chris Cuomo loses it on live TV after Trump campaign spokesperson eviscerates him over COVID hypocrisy. And there's a video. I didn't grab any audio, but I'm going to give you a little bit of the article. So anchors Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon were visibly agitated over President Trump's speech because of Justice Clarence Thomas's administration of the constitutional oath to Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who has been confirmed by the Senate in a 52 to 48 vote. Now, I guess you can, you know, you're entitled as a commentator to have emotion. Sometimes like me right now, I don't really have much. <laughs> I'm emotionless. But it's okay. You get a little angry sometimes. I get it. You get a little funny sometimes. But according to Red State, th between the two of them, Cuomo inarguably had the worst night saying that it was very tenacious and they had Tim Murtaugh on during the second half of Cuomo's primetime TV program. The two got into a sparring match over who handled the coronavirus pandemic better or worse, President Trump or Cuomo's brother, Andrew Cuomo. Murtaugh more than held his own. 
pointing to the nursing home scandal and Chris Cuomo's coddling and running interference for his governor, who his governor brother, excuse me, at the height of the pandemic in New York. He noted that, among other things, Trump had been more than helpful to Governor Cuomo in helping him with whatever he needed, including ventilators, a Navy hospital ship, the latter of which was barely even used. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Murtaugh even flashed a picture of the infamous Q-tip segment (laughs) where the Cuomos joked about the nose sizes of each other as questions were being raised elsewhere by families of the victims from the nursing home scandal. And Cuomo responded very coldly saying that the segment was funny as hell. In the video, Cuomo, who they describe as Fredo in the article, can barely suppress his anger and rage at anyone who would dare call out his Esquire-esque coverage of Cuomo. Uh, again, this is some funny stuff. I'm going to see if um, if we can get the audio for that because it's a little bit longer than the time that we have right now before we get to our next guest. But something that I want to talk about before we go in that direction is speaking of the media. There's all sorts of media, and media, in my opinion, is never supposed to be conservative or liberal. You can have commentaries or editorials. You can have editorial boards that say, hey, we want to go with the Democrat, we want to go with the Republican. That's fine. Editorials are clear. It's very clear that you're editorializing, that opinion is interjected. All good. The issue becomes when you're pretending to gather the facts and inform the public as a news person or as a news organization. And you don't. This is clearly the issue. With that being said, one of the newspapers that I like to read, and their headquartered here in New York, is the Epic Times. Recently, the Epic Times was attacked for their digital success, and now one major publication, the Gray Lady, is saying that they're a propaganda mill. You're not going to believe this. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all social media. It's so important that we get things right. This is a critical time in our nation's history. This is why we need to focus on the facts. In a time where there's disinformation and misinformation all over the place, the best place to get your facts, to get a deep dive on just primary source data is my friends at JustFacts.com. JustFacts.com, that's J-U-S-T-F-A-C-T-S.com, is the premier think tank on the East Coast. They bring you the facts, they bring you the real, and they just keep it down the middle. Check out my buddies at JustFacts.com and sign up for their free email newsletter. They're not going to bombard you with spam. They put out a couple of really good pieces per month, and you're going to appreciate it. JustFacts.com slash rich. That's JustFacts.com slash rich. With respect to the media, just before the break, we talked about how some in the media see themselves as activists, see themselves as someone that has to 
inform people by creating facts rather than uncovering facts. They're more like creating editorials than articles. It's more like activism than journalism. We see this time and time again. However, sometimes they get angry if you do decide to do honest journalism where you just give the facts. You can have an editorial opinion. Nobody's saying that you can't. But you shouldn't have an editorial opinion in a fact-driven piece of journalism. And this seems to be a fundamental rift in journalism today with the majority siding with my job is to do whatever I have to do to pursue and promote a narrative irrespective of the facts. Facts are secondary. Their goal, their political goal is primary. One such organization, in my view, is the New York Times, which was once considered the paper of record. And I can't say that even then. The indictments against the New York Times are far-spanning. They go back more decades than I've been alive. They've been charged with covering up heinous crimes like the Holocaust and others. So I'm not here to trash the New York Times. Neither is our upcoming guest. But I do want to point these things out of matters of fact matters of the public discourse. Now, one one place that I enjoy getting my news is the Epic Times. The Epic Times, to me, is fair. It's balanced. It has a fundamental understanding, better than most, of what it's like to suffer under the Chinese Communist Party, as their founder has personal experiences with that. It's not a political issue, in my estimation, for people to be anti-communist. Anti-communism is good for America, right? Anti-communism is pro-Americanism, in my opinion. I could be wrong. And if you want to challenge that, give us a call, 800-848-WABC. But right now, I want to go to our guest because recently the New York Times has thrown the Epic Times under the bus saying that the Epic Times created a giant influence machine and that they are less than a journalistically integrity-driven media organization, which I reject. I don't find that to be true. So with us today is one of the editors at Epic Times and the host of American Thought Leaders, Yanya Kelly. Bring us up to speed. Uh, not everybody's aware of this Times article because, believe it or not, the gray lady doesn't have such a far and broad influence as it once did. It does, in particular, amongst politically driven people on the left. But for everybody that's listening, in the five boroughs across the country, and of course, all the way out on the eastern end of Long Island here in New York. Uh, bring us up to speed with what it was that the Times did to you. And this isn't the first time. I remember when when NBC News tried to trash you guys a, a few months ago. But bring us up to speed and let's talk about this. This is kind of bizarre reporting, I, I, I have to say. I'm still kind of stunned by this whole thing uh, that, that it actually... So there was an article in the Sunday Times, uh, came out on Saturday online, came out Sunday, top of the fold, front page, um, basically attacking the Epic Times. Now, the one thing they got right in there is they said that Epic Times is a giant uh, digital media empire. <laughs> of this vein. So this one, this, this part I agree with. Um, but I mean, r- roughly our, our, head, our headline in response was, 
New York Times eight month long investigation, light on facts, heavy on bias. So the crazy thing is there's there's so little of substance in this uh, report. Um, thankfully, they did, you know, they did include our responses to some of their kind of incredibly outrageous claims in there. Um, and but it's just there just isn't a lot in there. And they spent eight months on it. And these are, you know, investigative uh you know, resources, presumably a lot of money was spent on this. And I think the New York Times could really be spending a lot more time investigating other really important American stories that I don't see there. I agree with you. So I look at this and I say, hmm, there's a newspaper. You guys are doing what you do. By by any uh, measure, you look at the articles that go through the, the pages of the Epic Times and they're rather fair. They're rather balanced. They're They're not incendiary. They don't seem to be editorialized, at least in my regard. Um, even if there is a story that could be viewed as critical to one political party or another, the facts that you guys put into it don't offer a critique. They just offer the facts. So when the New York Times does this, it leads me to believe as someone that's a pretty avid consumer of media, working in the media, I tend to draw from many multiple different media sources. And I have to think that there's a reason behind it. And what I come to surmise is that in my experience, I've seen that when you're over the target or when your reporting is accurate, when you are offending someone because, with the truth, they tend to say, well, we have to delegitimize de- you because, of course, if you're reporting it, it can't be true. right? And this is what they've done time and again. I think we're seeing that not to switch gears, but we're seeing that with this censorship that we're or filtering that we're seeing with the Hunter Biden story with uh, Mr. Bobolinsky and his uh, revelations and statements and testimony. All of that seems to be getting swept under a rug by many news organizations that are saying, well, it's just not verified. Meanwhile, we all know they went with four unnamed sources and threw President Trump under the bus, making up stories about him, saying that he said bad things about soldiers and graves and all these things. So they violate their own codes of ethics and their own best practices of having named sources and fact checking and multiple sources to put together a story. But when it only when it behooves them, they'll kind of abandon those things. And when it doesn't, they'll say, well, no, this isn't the right thing to do. Um, do you think it's appropriate for news organizations to cherry pick how they're going to factually tell a story? Gosh, well, of course not. Um you know, we always, as journalists, we always have to decide, you know, what's newsworthy. Um, but we should decide that based on the relative importance of the information you've got, not based on the political expediency of that information. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that, that's we, we all have to make choices as journalists. We can't cover everything. Right. But the question is, how do you make your choices? Um, you know, the, one of the terrible, terrible things about this report, actually, is that it um, you know, it, most people know that are familiar with the Epic Times know that it was originally founded by people who escaped from communist China under, you know, one of the what's become one of the biggest persecutions of any group in the world, uh, the Falun Gong. And this is the group that, the you know, that the whole murder for organs industry, again, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with this, was built around. There was this giant China tribunal that validated that just last year. And so, you know, the, the, the terrible thing in here is that um, the, the Chinese Communist Party uses all sorts of hate propaganda to vilify these people. This is why they came to America, where they could 
have a voice, right, initially, mm-hmm. and just and speak out. And the Epic Times was founded to, as a, a kind of free voice, and then, of course, grew into an American media originally with servicing Chinese Americans. But um, and and the crazy thing is that this report will and already is being used by the Chinese Communist Party as a kind of cudgel or bat to attack Falun Gong. They translated it almost immediately into Chinese on their site, which isn't blocked in China, in Chinese language. And now the Chinese language media are using the story to tell the Falun Gong practitioners and the Chinese people validates that hate propaganda. Hey, look, the American establishment, the New York Times agrees with our position. And this is the most horrible aspect of this kind of reporting, because this reporting it kind of downplays the reality of the fact that these, you know, probably many hundreds of thousands of people have been murdered for their organs in China. And it's kind of, you know, that's kind of left as a light, uh, a light question mark. Maybe it's exaggerated. This is there. They're, they kind of you know, couch it that way. Meanwhile, they say, well, this is like secretive. This is, you know, anyway. Yeah, I mean, just idea. to jump so, in, there are so many human rights abuses that happen, not only in China, but in so many different totalitarian regimes around the world. And so often a blind eye is turned to it because of special interests. And I don't know exactly how they've paid off people in American media, whether it's the New York Times or CNN or or whomever, to literally just ignore these abuses and only cherry pick the ones that benefit them. But it's been going on for many years. And I think we've reached a tipping point, if you will, where people have said, you know, enough is enough. And organizations like yours, the Epic Times, um, and of course, we're on with Jan Jekelek. He's uh, one of the editors at the Epic Times and a host of American Thought Leaders, one of their top programs. Organizations like yours have said, you know what, we're we're not going to fight back, but we will defend ourselves, our good name, our reputation, and we're going to stand behind our reporting. So I guess tell the listeners in a, a minute or so, what are the top three points in the article that you guys just put out to refute what the New York Times is alleging? Well, you know, as I said, there's one point that we very, very much agree with, and that is, you know, I'll do a direct quote. This is one of the country's most powerful digital publishers. Yes. Okay. So, so actually, that's that's wonderful. We we do like to like to be seen that way <laughs> because I think it's, you take it's the kudos. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the big the big big problem, sort of one uh, big uh, misrepresentation, is they try to try to connect us with other organizations or other, you know, cons- they, they, they're basically trying to kind of create a conspiracy theory type idea. Now, this is the funniest part. Okay, they basically call what I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about Spygate a baseless conspiracy theory. So they attack us saying. Epic Times uh, promoted, quote, Spygate, a baseless conspiracy theory involving claims that Obama administration officials illegally spied on Trump's 2016 campaign. This is uh, the uh, the idea that Obama administration officials spied on the Trump campaign 2016 is not a contested. Right. You know, it, this, this is this, 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 these are matters of fact the, in the, the public. The, the legality around the legality of it, you know, attorney, U.S. Attorney Durham is looking into the details of this right now. And I appreciate you saying that, Jan, because we need to stay on top of this. So we're going to continue to monitor this with our friend Jan Yekelek from the Epic Times. We appreciate you being on the show. Listen, I tell you guys all the time if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And of course, 
the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. Now is the time. With seven days to go, we all need to rise up and let our voices be heard. We need to use our votes to stand up in the face of tyranny, in the face of Marxism. America's counting on you. Don't let her down. Hasta la próxima, America. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>